0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back. Major Ed Dames with us. Dr. Doom. They still call you Dr. Doom, don't they? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't like that, but it is what it is. With, with these Project Starmen, what are you trying to prove, Ed, or see with the Sasquatch program?
0: I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put everything, uh, uh, lay, lay it out as simply as I can. Before, before I go on, I'd like to mention a book that I like very much. I'm a minimalist. I only keep like 20 books at any given time. <laughs> but if, really, if I buy another one, one has to go off the shelf. That's what minimalism is all about. This is The book is in, uh, written by E. Andrew Boyd a PhD in uh, Applied Mathematics. It's called Beyond Comprehension a scientific look at the challenge of knowing everything. And in the first part of the book, a very, very uh, interesting chapter, he describes how dogs can do not comprehend the concept of the number 10. And he he extends the idea uh, analogously uh, to humans. If humans are also mammals, perhaps the thing that the human... Uh, things that are are beyond our comprehension as well. I'm going to have to agree with that after all the years of research on the ET uh, phenomenon, so-called. Now, that first observation with those green fireballs, and and that project was called Project Twinkle. Your listeners can look it up. It was was very, very uh, extensively studied uh, prior to uh, Blue Book. And uh, it petered out. Those things stopped happening, and then we have a good, a good idea why that, that that is. But I don't want to go into that at the moment. So anyway, and I I've taken Jacques Vallet uh, out to the side uh, that side as well too, in, in circa 1991 92. But when I came back, uh, I had already commission I had already hired. I was setting up a civilian company. I recently retired. And I hired all of the remote viewers, even though I had gone on to a very, very dark unit before I retired. I had already hired all of the uh, remote viewers, almost all, in the unit to work for me, to moonlight on my projects. And predominantly all of those, except for uh, corporate clients, those were UFO ET types of stuff. But I want to read, if I may, a summary that Paul Smith wrote. When I came back, because he did not go out in the field with us, and I, and I, I commissioned Paul to pay Paul to remote view exactly what happened out there, uh, because the, you know, we're constrained, our eyeballs are constrained, we're bandwidth limited in terms of sure. the light spectra and the temporal limited in terms of things that we can process, how fast, that kind of stuff. I, I, all my students know this well. May I read the summary about that? Uh, Sure, go ahead. Yeah, here it goes. Uh, Paul wrote this on the 4th of June, 1990. And this is vis-a-vis that uh, fireball and one other thing. After the fireball, I shined a laser pointer at, at the mesa into which the fireball disappeared, and a light shined back that was the same color, green in this case, and then went out. Here's Paul's summary. He wasn't there. The site involves a semi-tangible, energetically resilient, radiating globe of energy located in a rocky, austere region with major topological changes in elevation, sheer cliffs, large outcroppings of igneous, metamorphic, and sedimentary rock. Water is not present in significant quantities. This energy phenomenon fluoresces in intense yellow-green light, and though generally spheroid in shape, fluctuates much in the way a soap bubble responds to air pressure, currents and other forces impinging on the structure there's a humming one senses not hears this globe seems to be both within the rock cavity where it is manifest yet without it as well it is partially surrounded by the earth yet also partially free of the ground it is there despite the rocks the rocks intrude yet don't there are other people or beings associated with this globe There is a sense that the people present are aware of but rather indifferent to observers, that means us. They're slightly amused, like one might be amused by apes watching people at the zoo or babies thinking they understand the unspoken agendas and motivations of the adult world. The purpose here is adjusting, calibrating, sending, arranging in a physio-energetic sense. There is an impression of great but subtle power only a portion of which is there, the rest of which is elsewhere, the tip of the iceberg analogy. Radiant, flexible, substantial are the words that describe this energy form. The beings here are in a sense professional, like they are completely going about their business and are disciplined or single-minded enough not to be distracted by outside irritants like us, like the cop who maintains decorum despite name-calling from bystanders. 30 more seconds. The event occurred primarily as an adjustment or maintenance mission, but had a slight element of showing off or revealing themselves, teasing with a purpose. Otherwise, it was a very minor routine sort of technical exercise, revealing a small fraction of capability. Full capability would never be revealed except in the event of extreme circumstances. Stasis, manipulation, transmutation, transportation, physical rearrangement, total reconfiguration are all capabilities. The agenda here is to manipulate the environment only enough to create the appropriate situation to satisfy the agenda, like an oil company changing the landscape only enough to facilitate its objective, leaving the rest the same. They are not indifferent to the needs of the natives but the needs of the natives are subordinate to the objective of these others. That is a very good professional summary from a professional remote viewer.
1: And and what was he saying in terms of what this might have been?
0: All those things, all we saw was his green fireball and the glow on the, and what he's saying is there's an agency behind it, an intelligent agency behind it that's doing something there, knows that we're there, and gives us a little, you know, throws us a, 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 a bone, mm-hmm. and that's it. Well, after, that, after several years of that site and the, and the, and the uh, event started to, to, to wane.
1: And that was 1990?
0: That was 1990 when he wrote the report. We had already been there earlier in the year, and then I began to take scientists to the site, and I have the full reports uh, there, there too. But I want to jump ahead to 1994, that Ariel School event outside of Harare, Zimbabwe, where all these middle school kids were out there playing baseball, went into the savannas, and came back with this story that I've talked about on Coast to Coast before. And your listeners can look at all that. John Mack, uh, the late John Mack, happened to be in South Africa at the time and flew up to Harare to interview these kids. And I got to see some of the original 35 millimeter. Uh, and the kids heard in their minds, 60 of them, a 40 or 60, heard in their minds Looking at this big bug-eyed guy and standing in front of a saucer, they think they did that. You got to take better care of your planet. Your planet's dying. Wow! And I That's said, dramatic. "Okay, I'm going to do a full court press using my entire, all my resources on this, on the agency that orchestrated this event." Okay, and I did, and and, and the meeting that the I. What I want to meet with are, is this agency, and they are, they are not ETs. They are what Jacques Vallée and I have both called, and, and John Keel, the lead John Keel, ultra-terrestrials. They live on Earth.
1: Always did.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, always did. If you look at the Travis Walton case, which is a real case, no BS. When we remote view tra- that that particular event. Uh, he is inside an object, and we don't use the term vehicle or craft uh, in our work. He's inside an object, but the three or four entities that are there are wraith like and they're wafting through this particular object. They're almost, it, they're, they're not physical. They're semi-physical. In fact, I briefed at the highest levels of the Pentagon. I said we are dealing here in many cases with what what I call, what I term, transcendental technologies. And many of these things emanate from a seamount, inside a seamount, to the uh, the west of Fiji, very very deep. And I've talked about this on your show uh, before. So it... We're not dealing with ETs here. Yes, extraterrestrials are involved with planet Earth. All the crop circles, the real ones uh, that aren't fabricated by humans, are directed from an underground location on Mars. I've talked about this before, so that's ET. And you know, we've got other things that that are ET. A lot of the mining, the the uh, ancient, ancient, God knows how ancient they are, mining activities on the moon. That's where structures are still. Uh, are present there were done by robots uh, that were left there to mine by an intelligent race
1: many many years ago
0: oh yeah millions we think yeah but they're gone now and the mining uh, stopped there's still activity on, on both uh, uh, the moon and Mars in fact Paul Smith and I for a contract a German contract remote viewed what shut down Phoebus the Phoebus two spacecraft uh, the Russians came to me through. General Stubblebine General said, look, what what happened to Phoebus 2?
1: That, that was the object that the Russians had set up, the Soviets at the time, that Roger. they saw something coming at it, and then it was like gobbled up or something.
0: Yeah, it was a big flash, and then it was gone. So Paul Smith and I particularly, we both viewed the demise yeah. of that, and both our descriptions were very, very interesting. We worked independent of each other, but we both used the analogy of— uh, Guard dog that's waiting for its owners to come back and it sees something, perceives something up there and goes up to guide it down to the surface of Mars or under Mars. But it says, Oh, it's like a, it spit it out because it's not its owners and it went back down the rest in the sands of Mars.
1: Now, tell me about the Sasquatch connection, though. Ed.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. So uh, at, at the Omega part, that, that part of the project, I wanted to. I, I took two uh, photos of Sasquatch, the uh, Patterson-Gimlin film, which that's a real uh, thing; it's not a fake. And then the one that I posted on your website, uh, perhaps last yeah, last time it was on, of a, a one walking over a snow uh, ridge in either Vancouver or near uh, or Washington State. That's real, too. So I looked at the location. I was interested in using Geofix to look at the location, the present location of each of those, the, the Patterson-Gimlin object and the one in Washington. They both led to the identical site of the orchestrators of the uh, REL School event. Both those Sasquatches, in, in terms of their location, Ended up on that same mountain near Mount Lassen, where I had already established was a contact zone for these orchestrators of the REL school event. So I'm quite excited. I'm anticipative, and I'm not afraid because I, um, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I, I'm I feel a little bit spooked, which is funny cause, uh, spooking, spook because a spook getting spooked is a I I made a funny. I think that was a shredder or and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But uh, (laughs) I am looking forward uh, to that trip.
1: Well, who knows what you'll uncover. uh...
0: Yeah, I don't know. Everything is uh, almost a total unknown here, except what we put together, where, like Chaco Canyon, this agency, which is not ET and not human, uh, and I don't know about the Sasquatches, I think they're... uh, I'm not sure what they are. I really have to find that out, but it's a it's a meeting it's a meeting place just like Chaco Canyon was. And remote viewing had to be used to find it. A con- consciousness tools, not just problem solving tools, but higher level, refined consciousness tools had to be able to go not after the fact. Hey, what happened over here in terms of ET or whatever you want to call it? No, it, it, proactive. Okay. What are your protocols, if any, for a meeting? Now, I may not understand what what happens there, but I I certainly want want to bring back something over the next few months that substantiates the things that I'll say if I'm still around to say them.
1: Ed, uh, the New Madrid fault, which some say is bigger than the San Andreas fault, you're seeing some kind of activity there.
0: But, uh, but a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, perhaps longer, I began to look at, at uh, the next uh, uh catastrophic north american both both canada and u s north american uh, uh events and the key event, event uh, that popped up time and again was an earthquake and uh, 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 the, uh, the, the the whole midwest being being affected uh by this particular earthquake and the New Madrid fault. But what particularly concerned me was the number of nuclear-react power plants that are also affected and needed to be shut down. So despite the structural damages and perhaps uh, human lives lost, and the Mississippi River perhaps shifting, you know, you've got that more serious long-term problem, the gift that keeps on giving, like Fukushima Daiichi.
1: Well, you know, with... New Madrid is, uh, St. Louis goes through there. Everything goes through there. And uh, years ago, the Mississippi went the other way when that uh, earthquake hit. Remember that one? Yeah, in the eighteen hundreds.
0: Sh- ch- yeah, it changed. It's, it's changed its flow. But this time, I'm thinking that it might not just change its flow. It may actually shift. Jeez. Uh, because there's a lot of places where where the you know the levees and the built up the Army Corps of Engineers has really constrained the river. But if those go down, the Mississippi changes changes its course.
1: Major Ed Dames with us. His websites are linked up at coasttocostam dot com. He also has a DVD series out called Learn Remote Viewing, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the work that he does. People are a little concerned about an economic collapse. Ed, what does remote viewing say about that?
0: I had a bunch of economists in the professional, uh, well, actually three in the professional development course uh, way back in uh, '95. And they were in, they were curious as to whether there would ever be an economic collapse. So we put together a series, an ensemble of different uh, technical, technical, remote viewing search terms, and all that. And lo and behold, yes, there would be a global economic collapse. And I talked about that with Art Bell way back in '96. Uh, as well as, as as drastic climate change, uh, things that would force us to uh, will not disallow us growing crops the way we have traditionally grown them. But the economic collapse, uh, it, just like the kill shot sequences, when people said, "Oh, that can't happen," it's bunk. And then these massive solar flares that, thank goodness, were not Earth directed happened. So people began to think.
1: Uh, what I said, the
0: unthinkable would happen. The U.S. would default on its uh, T bill. Uh, it, it, it's bond
1: payments that's all we need Jeez.
0: yeah and then, then newspapers you know came out it's been about seven years now with the same thing it, the unthinkable they actually said that the unthinkable like like they my non my uh, neologism kill shot they adopted that idea the unthinkable perhaps not listening to me but the uh, parallel uh, news line said it is possible that we may default. I mean come on look at look at the global economic condition right now. Most of your listeners know how fragile we are economically in terms of the debt, the amount of debt the world has.
1: And does remote viewing get involved in, uh, you know, like political outcomes and things like that?
0: No, we experimented early with the uh, uh, elections. Uh, That's all. I I, I have no interest. Maybe other people do, but it's very, very difficult to do things like that because you have so many people involved making decisions uh, in those cases. But in something like a presidential election, the next president, the winner of the next presidential election, there's a number of ways to handle that when uh, one, because it's in the future, it already exists, right? Time as we know exactly. it, is, this idea of linear time. Yeah, it's linear, but it, but you're, you and I are both dead in another time, and we're both not alive in another time, too. But the, we those those events still exist. The big events. There's a little bit of uh, there's a lot of wiggle room and some fuzzy uh, sets that happen around smaller events like uh, football games and things like that. That I don't want to go into. But when we're looking at, for instance, uh, in the next election, if, if there's a female running at the end of the election, then opposed to a male, then it's very, very easy for us to determine using indirect methods the um, uh, the winner of the election. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.